What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob. I'm hanging out talking my favorite hometown, Cleveland sports, as always, with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much, Bob. I had a binge-worthy weekend. I watched the first seven episodes of Daredevil Season 2. I know I'm about a year behind, but that is me in the life of television. Uh, <laughs> pretty good stuff so far. Very impressed. No spoilers, please. Uh, but I, I, I like I like it. It's solid stuff. I don't think there's any shame anymore in being behind in a show because there is just so much good TV that, I mean, whoever gets mad at you for not being caught up on something like there, there's just too much. It's getting to the oversaturation of, of television, but it's all pretty enjoyable, but, um, cool. That that's good. Uh, you know, the up North, I, I know you guys are getting hard with snow. Maybe you'll have time to finish it. Uh, later in the week uh, as you guys get snowed in no 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 even if i get snowed in i'm gonna be binging on something else later in the week bob very true we know what's up (laughs) yeah we will certainly uh start talking about march madness as the bracket is set but with this being a cleveland podcast we will open with some cleveland news and the cleveland browns making headlines in the first week of nfl free agency three bringing in uh three key big name free agents uh in jc treader um kevin zeitler and kenny Britt, and also uh making the trade of the day on on opening day uh receiving brock osweiler and a second round 2018 pick from the texans uh and also a sixth rounder uh from the texans for this year in exchange for a fourth round pick and also eating brock osweiler's 16 million dollar cap hit for this year uh, Chris, that was the headline of, of day one, the Brock Osweiler trade, mostly because this is a move uh, more accustomed to being seen in the NBA than in the NFL. It's pretty rare that um, a team pretty much buys a draft pick in the NFL, but it happens a lot in, in the NBA. What, what are your thoughts of it? Uh, you know, reading a lot of the headlines, uh, it divided uh, just about everybody right down the middle. People are pretty opinionated about this one way or the other. What are your thoughts on it? I think overall, if we're going to judge the trade overall, it was definitely a win for the Browns. I mean, how could you not think that? They they had mountains of cap space this year because they were so conservative last year. They actually rolled over some cap space. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is, Bob, they took a chunk of their cap space and turned it into some draft currency. Um, and, and, and I saw some headlines saying that the trade might not be legal. Those have since been quashed. Uh, it's perfectly legal yeah. to exchange draft picks and players. Uh, the Browns didn't buy drop Brock Osweiler or, or send any cash. They just used their cap flexibility to their advantage on a team that's desperately trying to make a run at maybe another quarterback on the market. We'll talk about that later. Um, but getting back to the Browns, how can you not say this is a win? You turned a zero asset into a second-round pick. Bob, they turned cap space into a second-round pick. Let's forget about Brock Osweiler for a minute. That right there is a win. So the worst thing that can happen, no matter what happens with Brock Osweiler for the next year or whatever, the Browns get a second-round pick out of this. If Brock Osweiler is a superstar, they still get a second-round pick. If Brock Osweiler gets cut, like many believe, they still get a second-round pick. I don't see how right. this is a bad thing. They turned a zero asset into a second-round pick. 
huge win for the Browns. Yeah, I, I think it's a big win for the Browns. I also think it's one of uh, the, the rare trades that, that is mutually beneficial. I mean, the Texans being a playoff team, uh, even though it, coming from the AFC South, you can put an asterisk on that if you want to. You know, I like to do that. But they still made the playoffs despite having Brock Eisweiler as their primary quarterback. Um, they were able to cleanse themselves of of probably the worst deal of the 2016 free agency and giving him that much cash and that much guaranteed money. Uh, so I think both teams are, are even and out because the Texans are, are primed for another playoff run. They have a great defense. They have a solid offensive line. If they do get pick up a, a veteran quarterback, maybe like a guy like Tony Romo, they, they'll certainly be primed for, for another run at that AFC South title. So I think it worked out for both teams. I'm happy for the Browns. I mean, this is exactly what this front office has set out to do and that's accumulate draft picks stockpile them and then when the time when the time comes to to make the selection in the draft for the guy that you want you now have the assets to pull the trigger and and get that guy Uh, in 2017 and 2018 nfl drafts the browns will have five selections in the in the top 65 of both of those drafts i mean that you are in the driver's seat of the draft and and now control the currency of both of those drafts so I think I think it's a a big win for the Browns. Um, another point that that doesn't get mentioned is that the Browns had a hundred million dollars of cap space entering this off season. They still have fifty five million dollars of cap space. Brock Osweiler, regardless of whether he's on the roster or not, that sixteen million dollar cap hit will go away in twenty eighteen. Uh, they, they will they still have tons of cap space, and, and I know that there's an argument that well you could say well. You could devote that $16 million to bring in more guys in free agency. They already did that. They spent a ton of cash in the first week, not only on those three guys that we mentioned at the start, but in extending Joel Batonio with a very lucrative deal. So they spent their money. You don't build a team by winning free agency in just one year. Uh, I think this is a smart move in utilizing that cap space as an asset and turning into a second-round pick. I think it was a very bold and a very good move for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and, and you just said it. It's not like they only did this. They spent a combined $126 million over the next five years on their offensive line. So it's not like they just acquired Brock Osweiler here. And they also saved about $7 million in cap space by releasing RG3. They'll still have a $1.75 million hit on that. So, yeah, I mean, Bob, I mean, even after all of this, they're still swimming in cap space. That just shows you how much they had. So to turn what is viewed as essentially a zero asset and turn it into a second-round pick on its face is a win. Now let's talk about Brock Osweiler just a little bit, okay? Because hear me out here. Yeah. I'm not saying Brock Osweiler is a great quarterback. Brock Osweiler is probably the best quarterback that has been on Cleveland's roster since Tim Couch. It doesn't mean he's a great quarterback. It just means that the Browns haven't really had anyone. And I know you're going to throw Jeff Garcia at me. Jeff Garcia was past his prime when he came here. Trent Dilfer was never a great quarterback. Derek Anderson was never a great quarterback. You know, we were talking about a lot of guys who were, who were at best average. You know, let's not forget that in 2015, Brock Osweiler looked like a franchise QB, 5-2 and two record as a starter. Let's also not forget that the Houston Texans went 8-6 and six with him as a starter, despite as his bad play. Now, you can say that that says more about the Texans team around him. I get it. But it's not like he held them back that much. They still made the playoffs at 9-7. and seven. 
they still had a good year. Now, I'm not saying Brock Osweiler's Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, but I think the Browns just went from having a mid-level backup quarterback as their starter to a guy who is at least going to be starting in the NFL. Brock Osweiler might not be a top 20 quarterback, but he, I, with 32 teams out there, someone will be starting Brock Osweiler this year. He is that good at least. And he showed the potential to be a franchise quarterback in 2015, in the very not-so-distant past. Bob, he's only has 21 starts. That's barely more than a year. Are we definitively writing off a guy who is going to be 27 years old, who has the physical tools that Brock Osweiler has, who has shown flashes? Like, let's not forget that game against New England that won them home field advantage in 2015 in an AFC championship game that was decided by two points. Let's not forget that Brock Osweiler did have a big, fat thumbprint on a Super Bowl run, as small as it may be, it was still a contribution that was very clutch. Bob, why aren't people saying, what if this guy can find that and be a top 15 quarterback again? And the Browns, what if what if the Browns just solved their quarterback problem and got a second round pick for it? I'm just throwing out a hypothetical here, but what if, wouldn't that go down as one of the greatest trades ever made? It certainly has the potential to. Uh, I don't think the Browns have ruled out that option. Uh, that's why he's still on the roster. I mean, if they were dead cold set on, on getting him off the team, they would have cut him. Uh, obviously, I've heard that they are shopping him around, trying to move him again and, and acquiring more draft assets. I, I, I believe that. I also believe that, like you said, I mean, they are now that he they have him under control and, and they do have him under control for this year and and, you know hypothetically for the next three years yeah why not evaluate him really heavily see how he stacks up against Cody Kessler against any of these guys in 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 the upcoming 2017 NFL draft that that you're thinking about taking with with some of your high picks Um, I I think it's worth consideration for sure whether Brock Osweiler has uh, that can can capitalize on the potential that he showed in in 2015 I I think it's a, a question that the Browns should definitely ask and should try their best to, to find the answer because they do have a perfect opportunity right here. I mean, you, you already lost, let go of your placeholder and Robert Griffin, you know, your project, your reclamation project. You know, why not take this on? In the meantime, you can still brew up Cody Kessler. You can you can brew up a, a highly drafted prospect. But, you know, this is a, another chance at, at catching lightning in a bottle. You, you tried it with Robert Griffin and didn't work out. You cut him. Try it in 2017 with Brock Osweiler. Uh, you know, after this year, he has no guaranteed money. You can cut him then if it doesn't work out. I, I like the idea. I don't think that the Browns are, are set on that. I think they're still trying to acquire a draft pick, uh, an additional draft pick in exchange for for moving him and possibly eating some of his guaranteed money. But I, I do think that is that you know that that him staying on the roster and being at play to be the starter for the Browns in, in 2017 is still at play. Yeah, and and first off, let me let me just say what I think is going to happen. I'm getting the sense that Brock Osweiler will not be in a Browns uniform either via trade or release. To me, I can understand trading him for more draft capital. Sure, they still have to pay some of his salary, as you alluded to. Uh, no one's going to take give you a draft pick to take all 16 million. That's going to be part of the deal 
which is fine. I don't I don't mind that. If they throw a Hail Mary and maybe get guys like a Kirk Cousins or Jimmy Garoppolo, Garoppolo, I'd be like, okay, you obviously like him more than Brock Osweiler. They're, they're, to me, they're the same guy. Garoppolo is yeah. what Osweiler was last year, essentially. Yeah. He just hasn't gone through his show-me year yet. So, essentially, yeah, they're just saying— the new- He's the new Brock Osweiler, who is the the new Matt Flynn. You know, there's always the the hot shot backup quarterback, and and Garoppolo is that guy right now. Right, and sometimes it works out, most times it doesn't. But but odds are always going to be that way. So uh, if they trade him for Garoppolo, they're essentially saying we just like this guy better. If they trade him for Cousins, that's that's phenomenal. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, that would be not to use a football term, but a hail mary, I think. Um, but let let's just look. To me, it doesn't make sense to cut this guy outright unless you are dead set on drafting a quarterback 1 or 12. Because if you draft a quarterback 1 or 12, then yeah, cut him and give that guy a clean slate to produce. You don't want a controversy. I This is my me talking here. I would rather take a chance on Brock Osweiler than any of the quarterbacks in this draft. Because I think Brock Osweiler, you know, he's been in the NFL for five years, three years as a protege, Two years as a starter, only has 21 starts under his belt. They have they have had mixed results, to say the least. Last year was a disaster. Year before that, he looked good. Let's see what he can do behind this retooled offensive line. Let's see if Hugh Jackson can work his magic like he did against Jason Campbell and Andrew Dalton. Uh, let Let's see what he can do. I would rather take a chance on him and invest all my draft capital in improving the team around him, because you got to pay him 16 million anyway. So why not pay him $16 million, see what he's got? Then, if he doesn't got it, you wipe your hands clean of him and draft your quarterback next year because, you got, as you just said, they have a bajillion draft picks. Even if they're not number one overall, they can trade up and get a guy they want. They have so much ammunition. But what if he hits? If Brock Osweiler hits and you just devoted an entire draft to, to, to not quarterback, now you can de- devote another super draft to not quarterback, and all of a sudden year three looks pretty appealing I'm just saying I don't understand why everyone is so down on this guy I get he had a bad year it's only 21 starts he's 26 years old I mean the guy is still in his prime let's give him a chance and see what he's got I mean why not use your resources everywhere else and see if this is the answer because if it hits the Browns might actually turn this thing around much faster than we thought. Yeah, I, again, I, I do think it's intriguing. I, I I think that if the Browns are, are going to keep Osweiler around, they're not just going to brush aside the opportunities that they have in this draft to take a quarterback. I, I, I think if Osweiler's on the roster, they're still going to take a quarterback. In that way, you have both potential options. If Osweiler hits, then you have a highly valued young quarterback that you can trade you know, down the line, you have the next Jimmy Garoppolo. If Osweiler doesn't work out, you can say, well, we just want him for the second round pick quarterback that we drafted is our guy down in the future. I think that's more likely than saying outright, Hey, Brock Osweiler is our quarterback of the future. We are not looking at a quarterback in this draft. I don't think the Browns, I have a really hard time believing that the Browns aren't going to take a quarterback in this draft. Well, I, I guess I just don't like any of the quarterbacks in this draft. and that That's just me. Now, now, at the Browns, who are paid professionals to evaluate quarterbacks, Hugh Jackson, as we mentioned, has had success with quarterbacks. 
determined that one of these guys is the guy, take him. I mean, you got the number one pick. If you feel you got a franchise player, take the best player. I, I have no problem with them doing that. Um, I, I think it would be a situation that if they take a quarterback, I, I'd be surprised to see Brock Osweiler in a Browns uniform because we've seen this two-quarterback race play out many a time, and most of the time it wrecks both their careers. So I would want them to go all in on the guy they take or go all in on Brock Osweiler and give him the year to prove himself. Not this hot potato, maybe him, maybe me. Oh, we, he's the starter, but now he's struggling. So week five, we're going to yank him and mess with all their confidence and everything falls apart. We've seen that play out, what, at least five times in this last, you know, runaway horror movie that has been the Browns return to the NFL. I know how it's going to end. So I do think that internally they need to commit to a, what they're going to do. I, I believe that they have a plan because they've made some very – what I would brand as intelligent decisions over the last two off seasons. Um, what that plan is, I don't think will manifest itself until draft day, until they pick with picks one and 12. Um, Cause I think you can take a quarterback outside of the first round and groom him. But if you take a guy one or 12, he's got, he's got to come in and start right away. Uh, the, the, the day of grooming a first round quarterback is long past. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying, and I, I, I've been right there with you. I don't think Brock Osweiler is in a position, even if they do start him at the start of the year, where he was specifically brought in to be the starter. I just think that they happen to have get this guy on the roster. Why not give him a look? And as we get closer to the regular season, they say, oh, wow, he's actually as good as we thought he could be in 2015 and then we we run with that i i I think you can do it right but i I get what you're saying with with the with the two quarterback system i think you're kind of answering your your own debate in that you know they're going to take a quarterback in this draft and and i and if that's the case and and what you say is true then osweiler's not going to be in a browns uniform like you said I think that's where you and I disagree because I am not 100% convinced that they are sold on these quarterbacks, and I am not 100% convinced that they will draft a quarterback in the first round or with the, one of their first um, three picks. Uh, I don't think I, I am not convinced they will spend a premium draft pick this year on a quarterback. All right. Well, that that is uh, might become more apparent as we head closer to the NFL draft, and, and we'll certainly debate that. Uh, probably ad nauseum as we get a little bit closer to that but uh getting brock osweiler like we said was not the only move of the opening week of nfl free agency joel batonio is extended through 2022 it's a five-year 51 million dollar contract extension likely starting center jc treader coming over here from the green bay packers for three years 15 million dollars uh by all accounts a very talented center but has dealt with some injury issues but um certainly is going to be an upgrade at center if he can stay healthy then the big tuna guard kevin zeitler is going to slot in at the right guard position five years 60 million dollar contract the highest contract extension ever given to a guard in the nfl he's gonna be the highest paid guard ever uh rejoining with, with Hugh Jackson who was coming over from the Cincinnati Bengals and, and Hugh Jackson coached him for a couple of years uh, a huge day uh beefing up the offensive line Chris uh through the draft through free agency we've seen it happen to, to many teams when you invest capital in the offensive line 
good things happen to all the skill positions offensively running back quarterback wide receiver just makes your life so much easier this seems like the first step to building a, a strong foundation uh, for success on the offensive side I have no problems with any of these moves what are your thoughts on them they allowed the most sacks in the NFL I have absolutely no problem with any of these moves. First off, Kevin Zeitler was arguably one of the best free agents available, not just offensive linemen, one of the best free agents available. Uh, To go out and get a premier guard is fantastic. Uh, And then Joel Bentonio extending him. He has been a premier guard when healthy. I think that would be the only concern I have about these moves is that the last two years, Bentonio has been dogged by injuries a little bit. You're committing a lot of money for a lot of years. I certainly hope that his health uh, is not a long-term issue uh, because that that certainly would would it would just be unfortunate all the way around. Um, and J.C. Treader could be the value signing of free agency. I mean, we're talking about a guy who very productive on one of the best offensive lines in football in the Green Bay Packers to come over here and bring that kind of experience next to Kevin Zeitler, Joe Thomas, and now Joel Bentonio. I mean. You you just turned one of your biggest needs into, on paper, a very strong strength. Now some of these guys who were maybe playing above their heads out of position last year because the depth just wasn't there become solid rotational backups. Um, it takes some of the pressure off Cam Irving. Maybe he can settle into some sort of a role on this team and they can salvage a top 20 pick. Because I don't want to give up on Cam Irving yet. You You spent a top 20 pick on him. And, and he had potential out of college. Maybe he can realize it. Uh, you know, Greco, the, the 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 pressure on him is a little bit less as well. So so these signings are great because, as you said, Bob, you need an offensive line to compete in the NFL. I mean, there's no two ways about it. A lot of the game has changed over the decades, but having a big, strong offensive line has been the common thread to every single contending team uh, in my lifetime. Yeah, I, I love it. And uh, another guy that loves it is Isaiah Crowell. Uh, he's going to have a, a lot more running room if he is the, the starting quarterback for, for the Browns. They, they may take a, a, a running back uh, in the draft. Um, yeah, basically, you, you alluded to Greco and, and Irving. There's also Spencer Drango and Sean Coleman, uh, rookies from last year. Basically, going to have a four man uh, competition for the right tackle position. Cam Irving uh, did play tackle in college for two years so he has experience there I like like you said I, I don't want to completely give up on him but I have given up on him as a NFL starting center so I'm glad that they you know went out and got uh, JC Treader who could be one of the best and, and at a very good value so this is this is definitely a, a great sign a, a good first step it also you know free agency like we said we, we uh, free agents we will will let us know what the Browns are planning in the NFL draft. Clearly offensive line is not going to be a priority with those high picks. They poured this kind of cash uh, into the free agency market. They're going uh, in a different direction in in the draft. So we can cross that position off. You know, we kind of saw last year how they like to go at a position in bunches. Um, Offensive line certainly will not be one of them, but I think this is a fantastic first step to, to rebuild that offense, to, to get a solid running game and whoever that quarterback is going to be, to keep him upright, you know, we talked about Cody Kessler fearing for his life last year. Uh, I, I bet he wishes that he was a rookie this year with this offensive line in Cleveland instead of playing behind, uh, like you said, uh, the the most porous offensive line in, in all uh, all of football. So I think it's a fantastic move. Um, yeah, and I certainly don't think they're going to attack offensive line heavy in the draft. 
Don't underestimate them maybe value picking an underrated like right tackle prospect later, maybe with a second, second round pick or early third or something along those lines because they do still have a need at right tackle, and you said the competition will be pretty big. Uh, some of those guys may slot into sort of uh, uh, Swiss Army knife kind of guys who can fill in. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't shock me if they um, tried to address right tackle in the draft, but that would obviously be a lesser need. I, I don't think they would invest one of their premium picks on it. Yeah, I think a pick may, maybe in the later rounds, but um, not like the massive drafting of wide receivers we saw last year. I, I, I certainly think that their offensive line looks pretty set, and they didn't really lose anybody. So a lot of the guys that were starting Cam Irving, John Greco, they're now backups or, or, or are changing positions to a less important one at the right tackle position. Um, lastly, Kenny Britt coming over from Los Angeles Rams and coming off his first 1,000-yard season, a uh, four-year, $32 million deal, uh, kind of spelled the end of Terrell Pryor when the deal was announced, but Terrell Pryor made that official when he signed a one-year, $8 million deal with Washington. Uh, we're plus Britt minus Pryor, Chris. Uh, do the Browns gain anything, or have they lost something in letting Pryor go? Would you believe that, that Kenny Britt caught 68 passes uh, for about 1,000 yards, five touchdowns last year? I, I, Bob, I mean, the only team with a worse quarterback situation than the Browns was arguably the Los Angeles Rams. Let's compare it to Terrell Pryor's number, 77 catches, 141 targets to 111, four touchdowns to five, 1,007 yards to 1,002. Bob, Bob, they're, by the numbers, they're, they're, they're pretty similar guys. Um, so I don't know what happened with the Terrell Pryor negotiations, why he maybe took a one-year deal. Reports said that they offered him a four-year deal. Maybe Pryor thinks he's worth more than just the – Kenny Britt money maybe he's trying to be a primo wide receiver I get it but Kenny Britt could be a sneaky signing because he he was very good in in uh Tennessee dogged by injuries um kind of got his career back on track a little bit with the Rams if he can shake those injuries if he can stay healthy uh it could be a value signing man I I I actually think it's a sneaky signing by the Browns they got a pretty strong wide receiver and I, I think he can do I think he can be a very capable replacement for Terrell Pryor if he's healthy. Yeah, I, I basically think you 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 gain you lost nothing, you gain nothing. I mean, Kenny Britt is a big body wide receiver, six three, two fifteen. Terrell Pryor, uh, depending on, on what numbers you're looking at, ranges from six six to six four. Uh, I I think that's kind of funny, but uh, Terrell Pryor is certainly a, a large receiver, um, kind of opposite of what, what Corey Coleman is. I think Kenny Britt is just going to replace his production and his abilities pretty seamlessly. And you know more about Kenny Britt than you do Terrell Pryor. You know, keep in mind Terrell Pryor had one career NFL reception heading into last season. Uh, the talent is undeniable, but. Uh, I just think Kenny Britt has been a wide receiver his whole life. He knows how to be a, a pro wide receiver and has had a very long, successful career already and is only one year older than prior. So I think it's a little bit more reliable, a little bit safer than investing the same account, kind of money uh, into a guy like Pryor. Um, I, I am sad to see Pryor leave because he was probably the best story of the 2016 season and obviously with his Ohio ties playing at Ohio State. But I mean, this is this is the NFL. This is a football move. I think Kenny Britt is slightly a, a better, more talented receiver. If you look at things like catch percentage, 
Uh, Kenny Britt had a, had a higher ca- catch percentage than Terrell Pryor last year. I just think he's a more solid wide receiver than what Pryor is, and, and you basically lose nothing in letting Pryor walk if you're replacing with a guy like Britt. Oh, yeah, all very valid points, and let's also make one more. Uh, they essentially gain Corey Coleman this year because after breaking his hand after week two, he was not the same. Now, now he has a year to get acclimated to NFL practices, how the NFL game is run, so that experience will certainly help him. But there's no doubt that that broken hand derailed his development. Uh, it, it, hopefully, Corey Coleman will be healthy and will kind of test the waters for his first true healthy rookie season and can get 16 games under his belt and show the promise he showed in weeks one and two because Bob he looked like he w- he was going to have a pretty strong year relatively speaking for the Browns uh, after those first two games yeah definitely Corey Coleman I, I I'm excited for him in his sophomore season essentially it's his rookie season and a half because um, he missed the time like you mentioned definitely showed flashes and I, I think um, it, it, it will be exciting to, to get him back for a full season to have a pro on the other side like Kenny Britt for sure. Um, well, it, it was certainly an exciting couple of days for the Browns, making some headlines, uh, stirring some controversy with that Osweiler trade, but I think they uh, showed that they, they have a plan. And, and uh, you know, compared to some other front offices that we've seen in charge of the Browns, uh, that's more than we can say for them. So I, I'm excited, and, and I think it's they're going in, in the right direction. But they were not the only players uh, in the NFL free agency uh, over the first week. Chris, what are some of the more intriguing deals that, that caught your eye? I mean, how can you not talk about the Patriots? They win two of the last three Super Bowls, and they just go crazy in free agency. They traded a first and a third round pick to get Brandon Cooks. I mean, you're going to put Brandon Cooks with Tom Brady. They replaced Martellus Bennett with Dwayne Allen by another trade. They had Coney LA, excuse me for butchering that name, to replace Jabal Sheard, who they lost in free agency. And then the move that started it off, they took your boy, the guy you wanted on the Browns, Stephon Gilmore, at corner to add to an already strong secondary. Bob, you, you look at this team all the success they've had and they've just done all this in free agency. I mean, how can you not like what they've done? I mean, you might not have to like it if you don't like the Patriots, but at least tip your cap to a team that's won a Super Bowl, has two out of the last three, and clearly hungry to capitalize on what is a increasingly smaller window uh, that is uh, Tom Brady's uh, career. Yeah, obviously the the Patriots think that they, they have a – one or two year window with Brady. Um, you, you don't see the Patriots moving draft picks for in exchange for a player like that Cooks deal. Um, that that's very that's not in their style. Um, so I, I think clearly that that's a signal that they they don't think Brady's going to last too much longer. Um, obviously that that also explains why they are playing Jimmy G really close to the te- the chest. They're not they they don't seem to be fielding a whole lot of offers. That might just be hot smoke, but they. They seem to th- really think that Tom Brady is is heading out soon. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, you win the Super Bowl and then you add probably the best cornerback on the market and add a wide receiver that Tom Brady hasn't had available in his arsenal for, for years. Uh, one, of, one of the better wide receivers and deep threats in, in the game in Brandon Cooks. Uh, yeah, of course it turns heads and it makes you think that they are primed for another Super Bowl run. They are minus Logan Ryan, so plus Stefan Gilmore minus Logan Ryan. Um, I think Gilmore's a little bit better, but um, he's going to slot in there and, re- and replace that. And they certainly, like you said, have a 
have a very intriguing secondary now. Um, yeah, that that definitely was probably the the most improved team, if you could say the Patriots needed improvement uh, through through free agency. One last thing, uh, there there is a reason for their urgency, Bob. August three, nineteen seven or two thousand seventeen. That's the day Tom Brady turns forty years old. Quarterbacks when they turn forty years old usually hit a wall. Uh, I I would I'd be pretty stunned if they trade Jimmy Garoppolo, and you know. The end is here, man. It's not near. He's not playing till he's forty-five. The end is here. Uh, I think they only have a one-year window. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I mean, uh, Brady's production getting at this age, it's gonna fall off a cliff pretty quickly. I mean, we saw it happen to Peyton Manning. We've seen it happen to a lot of these older quarterbacks. So I, I think you're completely right. Um, it- it's sooner rather than later, and it'll hit us. It'll come overnight, and, and it'll- all of a sudden we'll just be like, "Wow, he actually is 40. I didn't. Actually, didn't think that was true. Um, Chris, a, a couple other things that, that caught my eye. I mean, the, the Eagles stocking up on, on wide receivers, Alshon Jeffrey, you know, in some rankings was considered the best player on the open market, signing a one-year deal with them. They also uh, bought low and Torrey Smith, giving Carson Wentz two more options to go along with Jordan Matthews. Uh, th- that's an intriguing offense, I, I, I'd say. And Nick Foles is back, and if Carson Wentz <laughs> keeps struggling, his best years were in Philadelphia, so maybe you can uh, capitalize on that. But certainly, I mean, they went out and uh, attacked the wide receiver position, got some very good targets. Uh, Jeffrey is a true number one. Torrey Smith playing off of Jeffrey could be a very lethal combination. Uh, so, yeah, Philadelphia definitely helped out their uh, sophomore quarterback in uh, Carson Wentz. Yeah. And then your guy, the guy that you won in the Browns to sign, Tyrod Taylor, after all the drama – restructures a deal with the bills how disappointed were you to hear that uh, a little but but honestly i was more surprised that he was talked about being available i mean i mean buffalo finally came to their senses and didn't cut the guy uh so i guess i'm not super surprised because i was more surprised that they were talking about releasing him and kind of keeping my hopes in check uh but but yeah i did really want tyrod taylor um so you know it's unfortunate but uh Hey, tip of the cap to a bunch of Ohio boys. Brian Hoyer, St. Ignatius High, Pierre Garçon, Mount Union, and Kyle Jusek, excuse me for butchering that name as well, Cloverleaf High School and Medina County resident all signed with San Francisco reuni- or uniting with uh, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, so pretty cool story there, a bunch of Ohio Tide guys uh, winding up in the same spot. Yeah, they must like the weather or hate the Ohio weather if they're going to a place like San Francisco. Um cool to see for sure that uh, all those Ohio kids are going out there um, your boy Mike Glennon is made more money than we thought no <laughs> three-year deal to Chicago 43 million dollars uh, that's a little bit more than the projections that we're, we're reading uh, Chris I mean this, this deal we, we talked about the potential of it happening uh, how, how surprised are you to, to read that in paper that, that Mike Glennon is making that much money now I, I can't say I'm surprised because the reports made it very clear that it was coming, that he was going to get overpaid. And and if you look at the quarterback market, honestly, I mean, he's not if you base it on what other people are getting paid. Uh, so so this is market value. I mean, this is what guys like Mike Glennon are, is worth. Uh, look, the guy has not played a ton, so he has a chance to prove that he can be a starter now. Let's see what he can do. 
Um, I did not want to invest this kind of money, but but honestly, only a three-year deal. That that's my big thing. I thought he'd command like a five-year deal or something like that. So only a three-year deal. It's probably a contract that's that can be cut pretty easily after the first or second year. So I would imagine the Bears probably aren't in a terrible shape. Why not take a shot on a guy who has physical tools? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a placeholder. The Bears are getting rid of Jay Cutler that, that clearly things haven't been working out. They let Alshon Jaffrey go, um, they let Brian, Brandon Marshall walk a, a few years ago. So clearly that they are doing a little bit of rebuilding. Why not, you know, get a guy like Mike Glennon, see if he has the tools while, while you do this rebuild and you can hit the quick reset button. If Mike Glennon works out, um, speaking of other quarterbacks, uh, Tony Romo, still a Dallas Cowboy, uh, Cowboys having a really hard time finding any trade suitors for that $25 million cap hit that Romo commands this year. Um, kind of playing chicken, I guess, because uh, I'm sure a lot of teams would be interested in signing him if he were to be cut, but that, that cap hit makes it kind of hard. How surprised are you that, that Romo is still a, a Dallas Cowboy about a week into free agency? A little surprised because I thought the Cowboys came to, re- to the realization that nobody wanted to take on his salary before free agency start, he I think he even announced, "Hey, goodbye, Dallas." I, I mean, he was told. I thought he was told he was going to be released or something like that. So, uh, kind of a interesting story. Um, certainly one of the catalysts for the Brock Osweiler move because Houston and Denver are the uh, front runners if he becomes available. More like when, because I can't see the Cowboys carrying his cap hit into the season very long. Um, also, Bob, we, we forgot to mention Brandon Marshall. We mentioned him briefly, but he's on the New York Giants. That's certainly one of the more intriguing signings uh, in the NFL. Yeah, I think it was a good move. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, even the trade of Brandon Marshall to the Jets, I think that was for a fifth rounder, which was super cheap. And now Brandon Marshall uh, is signing not for a, not for a, a strong salary in, in, to play for the Giants. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it – is on the relatively cheap side. I know he had a down year with the Jets, his first down year, and, and that you know kind of scared away some teams. But yeah, it's really in- intriguing. Now he's going to be the number two wide receiver in New York. I, I, I think you know the Giants uh, got only more scary at having a guy like Marshall on the team. Him and ODB man, yeah, uh, could be great. Or but but the two of them aren't exactly the most stable stable people. Uh, so we'll we'll see if. Uh, if they can uh, keep it all in check and keep it cool, because uh, they they've been known to you know have some shenanigans on the field sometimes, so uh, it'll be interesting. <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah. Well, uh, most of the dust has settled in the NFL free agency. Uh, you know, a couple notable names out there like Dante Hightower still has yet to sign. Tony Romo, obviously, uh, there are questions about where he's going to end up and, and play, and we'll definitely keep you posted with all those moves. Um, but we have. Uh, one of the most exciting weeks uh, in all sporting year coming up this weekend, the first round of the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Uh, get your brackets out, fill them out. Uh, games are starting soon. Uh, Chris, you alluded it to it a little bit at the start of the podcast. This is what you're going to be binging all weekend long, starting on Thursday. Uh, the final four, uh, the, the tournament is upon us, March Madness. Chris, uh, the bracket, what, what are your thoughts on, on the release? Uh, have you had a chance to pour over all, all, all the seedings and the matchups? I have, and, and I'll admit I have no idea who's going to win this year because this is such a wide-open field. 
Um, it's just been one of those years in college football. Not college football, college basketball. Uh, first off, I haven't watched as much as I normally do. So uh, I, I'm a little rusty as far as who's good and whatnot. But this has been a crazy year. A ton of different teams at number one. ton of different teams that have looked good throughout the year. Um, a lot of the same names, but but Bob, it wouldn't surprise me if things got crazy, uh, crazier than normal. Um, so certainly a, a a very interesting field as far as I have no idea who's gonna win. I I I, I honestly just have no idea what's gonna happen this year. Yeah, that does not give me hope if uh, you say you don't know what's going on this year because uh, I, I know you take it pretty seriously and are. are pretty uh, probably more invested in it than I am and, and more versed in it so um that does not give my bracket hope <laughs> for for this year um we're not going to pick and unveil our entire bracket but I'm um, j- just looking looking at the matchups uh, and assuming that you had a chance to fill one out at least a preliminary one who 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 is your preliminary final four uh prediction okay so so I'm going kind of Based on what I feel here, I would love to see Louisville and Kentucky play in a Final Four. I think they're they they both have solid years, so we'll put them on the right side of the bracket. Villanova, defending champs, number one overall seed. I know it's chalk, but I, I had a hard time finding the team, so I'm taking Villanova. But the team I want to win it all more than anything. And I'm mad that Northwestern's in their pod because I really want to cheer for Northwestern, their first ever trip to the NCAA tournament. That's so cool. But it's amazing they've never been there, Bob. A Big Ten team had never been there. Uh, so so hopefully they can make it out. I know they're facing your, your Vanderbilt Commodores uh, down in Nashville, but I, I want Gonzaga and Mark Few to finally get a national championship. This is one of the most consistent programs in all of college basketball, they are always elite, always there, always good. And he has never been to a Final Four. Never been to a Final Four. That is unbelievable to me. They have been so good this year. They've only lost one game. And <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I just they were almost undefeated. I mean, they, they St. Mary's ruined it, but they, they almost they were undefeated for a while. I want Mark Few to finally get his national championship. Jay Wright got hit, the monkey off his back last year. It's time for Mark Few to get his title. I'm I'm picking Gonzaga to win it all just because I want them to do it. It's a good sentimental pick. I mean, Gonzaga has disappointed in many of my brackets in, in the past, so I'm kind of they're they're in my doghouse, so I'm not really relying on them this year. <laughs> they're the you know? Bulldogs too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So can you can you recap your final four for me again? Yeah, I got Zaga over Villanova, and then Kentucky over Louisville, and Zaga over Kentucky in the final. I figure all those good recruits Coach Cal gets will start playing well come tournament time, like they always do. Yeah, and I mean, they've played well all season. It's not like they've disappointed. I think they're ranked fifth, and and they won the SEC title, so um, I think they're doing well, and certainly they have some, some, some intriguing talent. So my final four... Um, I, I agree with you on Louisville. I think that's the only one we agree on. I have UCLA beating them heading to the title. Uh, I just think us UCLA is an uber talented team this year. And, and they've kind of been on the cusp of, of doing some good things in the past couple of years with the kind of talent that they're bringing in. But a guy like Lonzo ball is made for a tournament. I, I think he's going to make some statements on the other side. I got Duke versus West Virginia. 
Um, and then Duke versus UCLA in the title, and I, I think Duke's going to take it all. Ooh, West Virginia there, Issa Ahmad, Shaker Heights alum. I like that pick, Bob. Yeah. Hey, if, if Gonzaga can't win because they're on a Sweet 16 collision course, I will pull for a Shaker Heights alum. So that would be a nice consolation prize. But I'm so mad because Northwestern, I like Northwestern, but, I mean, they're stuck with Gonzaga. Kent State has to play UCLA in the first round. And then they stuck two of my favorite teams, Dayton and Wichita State. I love the Shockers, one of the cleverest names in all of college basketball, the Wichita State Shockers. Play each other, and then the winner of that plays Kentucky. I don't like that, Bob. I mean, how can I get behind those teams going far when they got to play these juggernauts in the, in the second round and each other in the first round? Sad, man. i gotta, I got to pick yeah. between Dayton and Wichita State. Uh, but I would love it nothing more than golden flashes to knock off ucla that would be great i'm not picking it to happen but it'd be great <laughs> that that would be pretty sweet i kind of something that made me laugh was that northwestern plays vanderbilt and then right below them in the bracket notre dame plays princeton and that's probably like two hundred fifty thousand dollars of one year of tuition going up against each other i thought that was kind of funny <laughs> in terms of sporting events but um looking at the first round obviously there's always some shocking upset to happen um who what what's what's your big best bet for 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 a round one upset uh this year all right we we all know the big 10 was a little inconsistent this year so i'm gonna start there look at all those big 10 teams i'm gonna pick xavier over maryland i'm gonna do you one better i'm gonna get take xavier to the sweet 16 that's a tournament tested team always tough i think they're a little disrespected as 11 seed what do i know I haven't watched much, so what do I know? But I'm saying they're disrespected, so they were disrespected. I think they'll go to the Sweet 16. Hey, I uh, I also picked Xavier over Maryland. I, I didn't have them advancing uh, past the second round, but um, so that's I'm not going to throw that out as my upset. On the other side of the bracket, keeping it with the Big Ten being a, a weaker seed and continuing the tradition that Middle Tennessee started last year, knocking off Michigan State, I uh, they uh they're a good team and i think they can certainly go toe-to-toe with minnesota and knock them off a 12 seed upsetting a five seed 30 win middle tennessee state man it's funny to look at some of these records you got like butler who's 23 and 8 facing winthrop that's 26 and 6 like i I get it i I get it they play different competitions i i I haven't tuned out that much i still know how this works but it's just funny looking at some of the records of the high seeds versus the low seeds i always get a kick out of that yeah it, it is kind of funny uh, how that works out but you know they have their metrics and whatnot to to analyze it and and, and make those seedings or whatever and prestige and all why, that stuff. why does but, every index is a three-letter acronym that ends in an i yeah i don't know <laughs> what are the other i, I know bpi RPI. oh bpi like, yeah I know there's probably one. like three others that i don't know about. mri something like that <laughs> mri is mri medical. <laughs> <laughs> all right well NCAA tournament time is certainly fun, one of the most exciting times in, in all the sports calendars. So especially the, the the first weekend where you have so many games and just, you know, the 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 odds of having a fantastic game and an upset are are, are so large and, and, and it's so fun to watch. So um, we'll definitely recap that and keep you posted as we advance through the bracket. Um, but zooming out uh, for some other news, uh, Chris, we, we talked about Andrew Bogut. Signing with the Cavs last week, so excited about having him on the roster. Talked about the roster being complete. They have their rim protector. 
that lasted for about 58 seconds into his debut. Uh, he makes an awkward collision with the, with a, an opposing player and fractures his tibia. He's done for the year, and the Cavs need a center again. Uh, now they announced the, the signing of Larry Sanders earlier today, bringing him in. Now this is a guy that has all the talent in the world but walked away from basketball two years ago and hasn't played since. Uh, a huge question mark, not as reliable as Andrew Bogut. I mean, Chris, how deflating is it to have Andrew Bogut in uniform make his debut and he doesn't even last a minute? Uh, you know, that that certainly was a low moment in the calf season. You remember the Juan Gonzalez experiment? Not the first one, the second one. Yeah. Where he comes up, he spends yeah. like 12 weeks in AAA rehabbing. He comes up, he's hitting cleanup. First at bat, he pulls his hamstring or something running down the first base, and it's done. <laughs> he lasted like five swings. Yeah. Um, shades of that. Um, the Charles Bentley, the uh, big-time free agent center who injured himself in the first play of non-contract practice. I mean, you know, it's not funny because the guy got hurt, but it's just this is just one of those moments, and you can't help but feel awful for Andrew Bogut. I mean, the guy, I mean, he goes from signing with a contender to playing on a relevant team. And he would have been used a lot down the stretch here while Kevin Love rehabs um, to just off the roster, essentially. They're going to cut him when if they sign uh, Larry Sanders like they said they are going to. Uh, totally deflating on all sides. Just, just totally deflating. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe the headline when I saw it, and I, I had to double check and make sure that was real and, and do a Google search. But um, like I said, one of the lower moments of, of the season. H- have to feel bad for for Andrew Bogut, but um, looking forward, Larry Sanders, that deal is being finalized uh, in the next coming days. W- what are your thoughts on bringing him in? Why not? They need help, and uh, he's got the. Yeah. Ta- I mean, he's got the raw talent. He hasn't played basketball in a while. Uh, so I need to catch up to speed soon. Uh, look, like the whole Andrew Bogut's injury was bad, but let's just perspective here. He probably wasn't going to play a lot in the playoffs. So ultimately hurts them for the rest of the regular season, but I don't think it destroys their title chances that much. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I think it was uh, a luxury that, at some times was more of a necessity. Uh, they just didn't have a, a big body that can match up with some of those larger centers. But, you know, they've gotten through a, a year and a half, essentially. You know, Mozgov was pretty ineffective last season, uh, and, and they were they were fine. So um, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, speaking of some of those injuries, J.R. Smith is back. That's great. Uh, Kyle Korver is out for a week. That's not good. Um, but it's good to see Jr. back on the court and, and uh, participating in games. And, and you know he's been coming off the bench. Hopefully he will reclaim his starting role soon because that'll definitely be a boon for them. That'll be a huge boost for them. They need to get Kevin Love back because they're getting killed on the rebounds without him. Uh, I, I think everyone's starting to realize that maybe this Kevin Love guy isn't as expendable in a trade as rumors would have them to believe every year so can we stop all the trade talk around kevin love once and for all please please well i mean they we've really we've realized this every year uh after we don't trade him that he's very valuable um and for whatever reason we we fall back in the pit of demanding him to be traded the year later so i don't think it's going to go away but i'm, I'm right there with you i've never been 
a proponent of trading away Kevin Love unless it was for Kevin Durant. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just I I I think it's silly as well. But um, I I don't think that stuff is going away. Um, keeping. Uh, an update in the World Baseball Classic, Team USA uh, is advancing to the knockout stage. Uh, they uh, not, not the knockout they, stage. Uh, did the, not the second pool stage. The oh, excuse me, the second group stage. I forgot that they do yeah. two. Uh, they advanced to the to the next round uh, of group play. Uh, didn't win their their first group uh, after giving up uh, a, a big lead to the Dominican Republic and, and our own Andrew Miller played a uh, depressing role in that giving up uh, two home runs uh, in that game um, Chris have you had a chance to, to watch any of the WBC particularly Team USA or any of those games No, I didn't watch any of them I, I read about the Dominican Republican game uh, that that was concerning that Andrew Miller was involved with that but uh, hey it's just spring training for them okay they're just getting warmed up not to undermine the WBC, but but honestly, there are bigger goals in mind for a lot of these players. Um, so, look, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to bash it, but but I just, I don't like, I don't like seeing all these guys playing in it, especially when the Indians have such a good shot at uh, doing something special this year. Yeah, I don't like it either. Uh, I I don't think that uh, if if they're on this team USA, they they had the option to not go. Um, I don't think that they are treating it as spring training games. If you watch that Dominican Republic game, it was loud and intense, and it felt like a playoff game. So um, th- this is a little bit more than spring training. I know that's concerning for you, and it's concerning for me and a lot of fans, but um, these guys are, are definitely tra- treating it pretty seriously. Oh, no, yeah, and, I, and like I said, I don't want to diminish that, but I'm saying that this game can be written off uh, as a tune-up game. In the grand okay, scheme yeah. of things, it doesn't mean much for the larger goals of the Cleveland Indians, but certainly the World Baseball Classic is very important to pretty much everyone outside of America. Yeah, very, very true. Um, um, one last note before we wrap up here, Bob. The MAC tournament, man. You want to talk March Madness. Nine of 11 games, five points or less margin of victory. One of those games was an overtime game. That was decided by 10 points. That was Kent State's first game. And the only one game was a blowout, 17 points. Kent State had to beat the top three teams in three days by a combined margin of 10 points, and they played overtime in the first round two nights before. You want March Madness? This was a darn good way to kick things off. If you missed the MAC tournament, you missed a lot of intense basketball. Yeah, that was a lot more competitive than I thought it would be. Um, You're alum pulling it all the way through and, and uh, booking their ticket to the tournament. That that was very surprising, and, and it certainly was an entertaining tournament for sure. Um, just a taste of what is to come in, in this March Madness tournament. I, I'm very excited for it. Yeah, UCLA better watch out because Kent State's coming for them. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's close it out with uh, your made-up headline. Here's my made-up headline. I kind of just tipped my cap to it. Kent State in the Sweet 16. That would be fantastic. And they beat Cincinnati to get there because I would love to see two Ohio teams show down in Sacramento because, you know, everyone in Sacramento is showing up to see Kent State and Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would uh, definitely be pretty awesome and uh, certainly is in, in the realm of a made-up headline. Um, but uh, that, that would be something to see for sure. Uh, my made-up headline is uh, – 
the the Cavs announced that they are signing Shaq to to their roster <laughs> to to be their fifteenth center. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty funny. Bring Shaq back. Yeah, and bring back Shaq. It rhymes too, man. Exactly. Yeah, I think he would still, you know, he would he would have something. He's maybe I don't know. You'd have something. I I don't know, man. I, I'll bet that guy has not worked. <laughs> I mean, you look, man. Shaq took. I'm not saying look, these guys train hard, but Shaq definitely took it easy at times. There's no doubt in my mind he has enjoyed retirement. He still stays in shape, but I don't think he's in NBA shape. Yeah, very true. All right, man. Well, this was a jam-packed podcast. We had a ton to talk about, and I'm sure next week we'll have more March Madness to talk about because things are going to get crazy. And, heck, maybe the Browns will keep free agency madness alive and do something crazy as well. So we'll have to check in next week with everything. But for now, this is the end of our episode. So please, thank you for supporting us. Come back to FenleyRoadSports.com to catch up on old episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast by searching Fenley Road Sports into iTunes. Click Talk. Or you can just go to FenleyRoadSports.com and click the iTunes icon in the top right corner. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram by searching Fenley Road Sports. Those icons are also in the top right corner of FenleyRoadSports.com as well. Thank you for listening to Clee Talk presented by Fenley Road Sports. Appreciate your support, and we will be back with more Cleveland Sports Talks next week. But until then, happy March Madness and happy St. Patrick's Day. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Take it easy, Bob.